0: My name is Allison Felis, and this is I'll Follow You, a podcast featuring light and lively conversations about film, music, and creative culture. Coming to you from the People's Republic of Rogers Park on the far northeast side of Chicago. Today, I am so pleased to welcome to the show Chicago artist and my dear friend, Louis Lane. Lewis's work focuses on storytelling, simple aesthetics, and recycled resonant material. He favors reclaimed windows and found glass as canvas, which he combines with cardboard and acrylic to create multi-dimensional paintings punctuated by saturated color and bold line work. Notable exhibits include his recent 10-year solo retrospective, reevaluating A, which is at the Dittmar Gallery on campus at Northwestern University a sculptural story called How Six Found a Way at the Harold Washington Library, an installation for Any Squared's Because Art exhibit at Hairpin Gallery, and Respond React, a featured 2011 Chicago Artist Month exhibit. Lewis was awarded a mural commission from the Village of Oak Park in 2010 and was invited back again in 2019 to install a second one. He presented the Cycle of Coexistent Exchange at the 39th Annual International Conference on the Fantastic in the Arts and was selected to paint a barrel for City Winery Chicago's benefit for Intuit Center for Intuitive and Outsider Art. Lewis has also created over 500 pages of illustrations for Los Angeles author Roby Duncan's webcomic Smaller Totems, which you can read online at www.smallertotems.com. Uh, To round out his incredibly productive decade, he created a semi-autobiographical divination deck called The Turned Earth Little Lenormand, a hundred copies of which were produced after a funded-in-one-day Kickstarter. Uh, Lewis and I have known each other for about 25 years now, I think. Uh, We grew up a few towns away from each other in Northwest Indiana, and we currently live only about a mile away from each other in Rogers Park in Chicago. I always think of him as one of my most inspiring friends in terms of his commitment to really living the life of an artist, no matter what medium he happens to be working with at the time. So I'm incredibly pleased to share this chat with you today so you can hear for yourselves how thoughtfully and deeply he approaches his artistic process. So hi Lewis, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really, really happy to have you along to be doing this chat.
1: My pleasure, Allison. Um,
0: so just if you want to give the people out in the world a little background on who you are and what you do, I'd love to hear I'd love to hear how you describe what you do because I sort of feel like I have my outsiders perspective on, <laughs> on what it is that you do. And so it's always it's always fun to hear like, well, from within inside this is this is how I do what I do.
1: Um, I have been, uh, for the last 10 years now, um, doing my best to be a full-time visual artist, and in doing that thing, I have opened a number of sort of doors um, that have put me down paths of, like, you know, learning instruments, and then learning to build instruments, and then... um, you know um uh uh layout and format and oh illustrating uh has opened this door for this and that and the other and the other thing so the, i found that <clears throat> i've been fortunate and privileged enough to be able to follow sort of like the fun of my life right now and that fun has been um making things and telling stories while making those things and I have been fortunate that it has been lucrative enough for me to like file artists on my tax returns for ten years. So that's beautiful. Do you know what I mean? That's I think it feels it's, it's oh thank you. <laughs> and I, I I I I feel fortunate, and um, and that's kind of what I've been doing
0: so that's yeah that's awesome like as sort of a broad level um of of what you do on a daily basis but do you want to sort of talk through what some of those projects specifically are i mean oh, which sure. ones are, are I mean, recent or, or you know closest to your heart or or sort of feel significant as far as uh, you know what how you think of yourself as an artist uh, the I'm, things that sort of encapsulate that for you
1: yes certainly i um um when everything that Everything that... <laughs> the place this all started from was um, a walk uh, between where I was working to the place I was living in Ravenswood. Um, in an alleyway, I found an old window, and I had just finished this piece of theater that um, that I had... Um, directed produced that was really affecting effective on me really affected me in um a way i I needed some breathing room like good breathing room but breathing room it was a, a, a strong experience and uh the window struck me as being a thing that would allow me to have some like creative play fun right like in when I was younger uh, um, uh, like I would sort of I was like a workshop meddler you know like my dad had like the tool room and I'd go in there and mess around and then I'd come out with like a like a wizard staff I don't know some like some sort of thing that I made um, and that always has been fun like making things with my hands has always been fun so the idea of a window, and uh, applying some old acrylic paint I had to it felt like the kind of thing that would be like good healing art therapy, right? So um, I put the window in my uh, office and I was staring at it and my cat at the time jumped up behind it and as I'm looking at my cat sort of framed in the window, I start to see this kind of like movement movement in the window that uh, sort of like vibrates and comes together and solidifies into this sort of image that uh, looks like something I want to paint, um, and it has layers to it. So I get a box and I cut this old box up and then I paint it and I glue it all to the window and like I have a painting. And it was so much fun that I'm like I want to do it again and again and again. So I I go back down to the alley and grab like former windows out of the rehab and like i'm just at this point i'm just making them that's what i'm doing every day i'm like painting these windows and as i start moving through it i start noticing there's a uh there's an there's a narrative and i start to sort of like um kind of just go with where it feels like it's going and at some point i'm like oh my subconscious is so great and (laughs) and have this sort of like um You know, Michelangelo freeing things from marble moments, and then something happened where it was like, no, um, on the other side of these windows is a thing, and you're communicating with it, or you might be schizophrenic. (laughs) (laughs) And I decided that there was something on the other end of the windows and um, started listening more to what I was being told and started like putting together this narrative that has improved me as a human being, I believe, in ways that um, uh, have allowed me to expand my artistic path in a way that's, like, pleasant. You know, like, theater was always a good thing for me, but it was, I was passionate about the medium, but I don't know that, like, passion was the right thing to follow, right? Like, when 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 i the, the painting was fun and then figuring out what to do with the paintings was fun and that made the business of art fun at least on a level that i was able to make some money from and then um the more doors i opened and the more opportunities showed up and then at some point it's like oh it would be a good idea to refine my illustration skills so like i refined my illustration skills and now i'm doing a web comic right and then uh, at some point, I decided I was going to try and do, like... Like, I was on the five thing a day thing. Like, I'm going to do five things a day. And then I was on the, like, I'm going to make something with my hands every day. And I can say, like, I think I probably do still make something with my hands every day. I don't really notice it as much, but, like, I'm... I don't know. Like, li- working where I live has allowed me to incorporate my creative um, experience into my working environment in a way that it's, it's all intermingled and wonderful. So, like... I go and sit in my office and i'm working right now on illustrating this um second lenormand deck that's going to be focused on my painting work on my worldview work so it's gonna be like worldview lenormand and um just working through like those cards has turned into like it's not a it's not a job it's fun and um and that's what's been driving me to keep doing what i do it's like what's fun today playing with clay that sounds fun let's do that like okay let's sculpt right now or let's learn the violin because i can barter an old um banjo mandolin to this guy for this violin and i'm gonna pick this instrument up now right like uh that's kind of been the way I've, i've i've been moving ever since then and i do believe that the the communication that I've been um, having with this typeface designer on the other side of these windows has been um, incredibly valuable to that movement.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> I love it. No, because that. I mean, when when you talk about um, the process of uh, you know communicating with this typeface designer on the other half of the pain. I mean, my brain goes immediately to Tolkien, you know, and into his uh, process of active imagination that he was doing as far as like bringing through the lore of Middle Earth, mm-hmm. um, and and that sort of um, meditative process, and so mm-hmm. and that and I don't know, and that sort of links up. Also, then with the way you were talking about, there's nothing separate in your creative practice, like and which really, really comes through for me. Like, I really do feel when you're um, when you're describing the way that you that you do your art, that there is like a holistic quality to there there not being a separation from your uh, your art practice and the way that you live your life. Um, Does that does that feel like an accurate way to describe that to you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I do think so. And I mean, and and again, like I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to have the the ability to do this, right? Like, um, uh, to be to be able, like, I I have I have tuned, I have built a nest here in my space, and I have tuned my nest with all of the things that I need to feel happy inside of it, and then had sort of like, um layered in, um, games and tools and, um, uh, prompts and, and things around the house in ways that, that make it easy for me to want to pick things up and do these things. Like I don't, there are instruments all over my house. I mean, honestly, it's, and I say that not like to be like, oh, I have instruments all over, but to say that like a, a person who want, like, really likes instruments would probably be horrified by the way that i have them around the house but it's because if i have a guitar leaning up against my desk right now i can pick it up and play it when i want to if i have um a mandolin um leaning across a chair right now it's because i know i can pick it up and play it when i want to right if i have my paintbrushes by my sink it's these these things are there and they allow me to do these things probably at the expense especially of the music instruments honestly but again like if I it, it, um, tuning my space in a way that <clears throat> makes me want to continue to do things has produced um, you know things that have been like pleasantly lucrative for me <laughs> that allow me to keep doing these things Um, And I think, again, it's like fun is fun is like such a key and and maybe incorporating um, living environment into studio environment um, might be like a a part of that. Right. Um, Or at least a um, a, um, enabler of that behavior
0: so so talk more about that idea of fun because it sounds like that's sort of like in contrast maybe to a time when you weren't having fun like with your creative output like is that something that you feel like you've uniquely harnessed recently or is that something that was always a priority that then you figured out a way to like take the next step on
1: i think i really realize in the in the time between um uh the last play i did in the theater so you know, I went to school to be a theater director. I put time into the theater. I spent 10 years in Chicago doing theater. Um, I produced... I, I acted in plays. I directed plays. I produced plays. Um, I wrote a play. Like, we, we, I, we did some things. Um, and I never made any money in it. But I love the medium. Like, I love the idea that, like... You and I can do. I mean, we kind of are doing a piece of theater right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> um, totally. Uh, it's it's a you know we do it now, and it's it can be immediate. Uh, we can talk about things that are valuable to us as as uh, at, you and I as neighbors, even right to our other neighbors. Like there are there are things there are there are experiences you can have inside the theater that I think can be super valuable. And um, and I was always drawn to in my working in it. I was always drawn to try to refine that into a into like a thing that was like like a an effective here's what the theater should be packaged <laughs> and in in doing that thing it was so like life-changing to me like uh, we were producing plays at the end of it that were um like written by local authors uh, to speak to Chicago audiences, and they were five dollar tickets because I think theater should only be five dollars. And they were late night because I think late nights when magic happens. And they were Friday and Saturday because like Thursdays and Wednesdays and Mondays and Sundays are not good days to do anything. B- but like theater should own the weekend too. Damn it! Like it should be. Can I say damn it? Damn it! Totally. it should own the thing too. Um, <clears throat> So, um, so that was a thing. And, um, and because theater should be immediate and should be about communicating to the audience you're communicating to and not someone 200 years from now, or even, even 10 years from now, like we had local playwrights who had something to say that, oh, and it was always one hour because I think an hour of theater is about as much as you, I honestly, as much as you, anyone should need, like, like, um, like, uh, like theater should be poetry, right? And like, you don't need a lot of poetry, <laughs> you, need, you need small amounts of poetry like theater should,
0: theater should be some, some people need a lot of poetry
1: I'm to each their own to each their own i guess my point is this i can make a, a, a big statement with a small amount of poetic words i can't because i'm terrible at that sort of thing but so like people can right um theater should behave similarly in my mind and like like um it's hard it should be i mean it should be really hard it is hard to sit through more than an hour and a half of theater i mean i think people might agree i don't know whatever it doesn't matter i i have trouble sitting through more than an hour of theater and i and and when they have intermissions it's hard because it breaks up the the momentum you've been building right like again like beginning of the play we're telling you a story about people's like, like characters doing things that is affecting other things. And, and then all of a sudden we're going to give you like 10 minutes to go like use the bathroom, to smoke a cigarette. And then you come back and you got to like get back into the experience of like removing your self awareness, you know, whatever. So the idea of it being small, compact was an important thing. And then to punctuate the fact that it was important to uh, it occurring when it was occurring, um, the plays that were written, uh, had a five-week performance, um, and then at the end of the five-week performance, the uh, scripts were taken across the street to um, the a restaurant that was over there at the time, Joey's House, and uh, set on fire, and we eliminated all written record of the thing we had. So what we were saying is, like, you give me $5 of your money and one hour of your time, and I will tell you a story for you. you you're the people that are going to hear it. And at the end of that experience, you could go do what you do with it, and we're not gonna do anything else with it. Because, and you know what? It's not gonna be as valuable. <laughs> and I, and I, I'll stick to that. Like, they were amazing plays. We did three of these at the end. Um, and they were, uh, they were all very, uh, they were wonderful experiences. Would they hold up as well today? No, they were about things that were happening right then, to people right then, in the city right then so um um that process was really intense <laughs> at the time we were doing it and the people who um who were doing uh the theater at the time that i wanted to work with were starting to branch out into like other professional houses and to get other jobs and do other things and um and the sort of last play we did was uh, or i did with this group was, uh, was about a uh, guy, Malachi Richer, who self-immolated in Chicago back in November 2007. And no one knew about it. And it was this whole enormous thing. And uh, the playwright kind of like wrote this play invoking him to kind of like give voice to what he why he did what he did. And um, that was a lot. so at the end of that experience I sort of re-examined why I was doing the theater and I realized I had a passion for it I felt strongly about it but something something made me want to paint and the thing that made me want to paint was that painting was fun and when I realized that the thing that drove me to theater ultimately was that it was a place to tell stories and i realized i could tell stories in a number of different ways um you know quicker if i'd like because it's just me um through my visual work so um it became fun um easily accessible fun um and at the time i had um uh the job i was working was in a bar that was closing so i I let go um, towards the end of the closing process and had been given a very generous amount of money to um, get through as much time as I could without a job and uh, decided I was going to take that cash and use it as a. Uh, a way to uh, jumpstart the my visual art stuff. So you know, I got some business cards and got a website, and and again, all of this stuff was fun. It was all fun. None of it, none of it felt like work. Um, and to me, it didn't feel like I was chasing passion, and yet <laughs> a very strong passion for what I do has, is definitely there, right? Um, Like, I do feel strongly about the stories I tell and the work I do and the way I tell those stories. Um,
0: And so talk more about storytelling because I do think that that is very much a hallmark of your work. I mean, I think that a lot of times... Um, you know, people think about, oh, visual art and that it's the static thing and that, you know, maybe if you're a little kid, you go into the museum and you say, like, oh, that tree over there is where the bird lives or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. but I think that a lot of times people think of <laughs> art as not, not being meaningless, but being narrativeless, you know, oh, sort sure. of, you know, and but yet your work is so animated by narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just was wondering if you'd talk a little bit more about how, how that informs uh, the way that you create your work,
1: you know. Yeah, I mean, um, story always has been again an, an, an interesting. Story is important, and 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 um, uh, and the idea of um, the idea of a narrative, like the under like under the swing and go of a narrative, is a sort of a sub narrative. I'm, I'm totally. Uh, miss it's not even quoting i'm using using the wrong words here but the idea of um stories has been fascinating the idea of story under stories has been fascinating to me and when i started painting and started paying attention to what i was seeing however this is manifesting when i started paying, paying attention to how i was what i was seeing uh and really connecting those dots i started realizing that like here are things that have some aesthetic um beauty two people and um, and uh, and I know underneath that aesthetic beauty is a story I'm being told that um, that I just started incorporating into the I mean I I don't know like to to me um, like I have a I don't know. Isn't all art like visual art sort of narrative just to some level? I mean, like <laughs> I, mean, I, start I, think, think, yeah, I start thinking I think about like I, I think about work that has that that has like even just stuff that looks like it's just color study. Like the artist had the artist created that thing with like intention, right? And intention to be shared. And in that way, like there's some narrative inside of that as well. I mean, I I take it to a level of again for me telling a story is is uh fun and uh and and the windows that i've been working with have um again given me a um sort of a starting point with which to explore narrative um as it's being given to me right (laughs) and then based off of the way i've been able to process that narrative through these windows um it's allowed me to apply those lessons to other forms so um you know uh webcomic with roby duncan smaller totems Um, uh, illustrating that comic becomes more than me just generating roby's visual um there's a there's sort of like a i'm I'm telling a story inside of his story at some points that makes the comic, I think really uh, interesting to me anyway, but, um, but learning his, the way he uses narrative. Right. And then his allowing me to, you know, play in that again, expanded my, my, uh, my, my, uh, my storytelling, uh, I don't know, like achievement unlock. Right. Like, um <laughs> My my points went up, and now I can do better. And then um, as I start exploring other modes of um, creative output, I come across uh, Lenormand Divination um, and realize in the layout of uh, a Lenormand deck are a series of key images that all Lenormand decks have. And it would be very easy to take those key images and unify them with a narrative that could make an interesting thing so um i did i used that to build uh my to earth little lenormand and um and again like achievement right i feel i feel like um it feels good <laughs> and so <laughs> i keep so it's like so i keep doing it you know um and um I don't know. I might have lost lost track here.
0: No, no. So, well, I got, so, got so. Caught while we're... in my
1: own personal reverie.
0: <laughs> well, so on on the on the topic of the little Norman, do you want to talk a little bit more about that, about the process of making that, and how it all came to be, and then what it actually is, and do you still even have any available? or Did they all sell out finally? I do.
1: I have. I have. Um. I have seven left. There were a hundred made. Um, yeah the deck so um a friend of mine introduced me to lenormand as a divination system i like despite like all of the things i talk about seeing things and win- like other worlds and windows like and i don't consider myself to be like um like a particularly spiritual person and I'm um, often like kind of feel skeptical about things i mean not in a way that i'm gonna be like your way stinks because i see things in windows so like i'm not gonna throw stones at people like whatever you tell me is a thing i'm gonna like give you the benefit of the, of the doubt right but um lenormand decks as being uh, divination tools uh to see the future um i'm skeptical but i like what i'm hearing so like um you know the 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 best way to 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 explain like i don't know in i I should probably google this right now and tell you but back several hundred years ago uh marie lenormand in her parlor uses a deck of playing cards um i believe seven if anyone is seven through ace i'm again Going off the top of my head here, um, she uses these cards to um, divine the future by assigning each card a an image and uh, not even really an image, but a series of keywords. Right, so like um, like the dog is like loyalty, and the dog is the ten of hearts. Okay, so she uses these cards to tell fortune, uh, tell the future, and then um, history sort of like whatever things happen, and then you get a series of Norman decks that come out. And, uh, and, uh, and, and honestly, the research of it leads me to believe that there's, it's like, it's like tarot, right? Like, um, it started somewhere and then it, it, people packed mysticism into it and now it's like, what's what anymore? Right. Um, that kind of thing has happened to Lenormand, I think maybe. Um, but no one, like if you ask someone like, what are, what are Marie Lenormand's keywords? I've yet to have someone be like, they are these. Like, there's no like agreed definitive set of keywords in Lenormand. And again, maybe I'm showing ignorance here, but like, when I started producing this deck, this was the kind of research I wanted to do so that I understood um, what this thing was, because there are people who will use it that will um, want that kind of energy put into it. And as someone who is fascinated by the research and also again like narratives like trying to figure this stuff out was kind of a whole thing so in figuring out as much as i could about it um there was the idea initially to make uh turned earth into a folk horror deck and when i really started talking uh about folk horror i realized again there wasn't really like a solid definition of what this thing is, like people will be like, well, it's Wicker Man. Well, it's um, it's uh, Black Phillip. Well, it's you know, people have like people have ideas, but like there's so many variations of it, and so in the end, it came to me that the Midwest in itself has a feeling, a folklore. There's that sort of like quiet, pious something under the surface, um, passive aggressive maybe thing that to me felt like a good place to um, uh, to start with when engineering what what initially started as a full core deck now as we began working on it part of me as I began working on it um, I realized that uh, Midwest um, I should take a trip back to uh, my home and um, And then from there, a trip to North Judson, where my dad was born and kind of wander around there with a camera and take photos of um, the area in order to sort of capture a palette. Because like initially what I was going for with the turned earth deck was I wanted Midwestern color. Right. So like
0: which I think you nailed, by the way, I mean, like uh, I'll put the link to uh, to the deck in uh, in the show notes, but everyone should go take a look at uh, the artwork that Lewis has um, created for this deck because it's we um, I mean, you and I can talk about this further, but like (laughs) both being both being from Midwest and growing up in Indiana, it was so immediately identifiable the way that you created the artwork and like you said the color palette i was like wow really blown away by by that achievement so like kudos that was really really beautifully done yeah
1: thank you thank you well and as it turns the midwest just turns out the midwest is like inherently full of these things so like you know giant mountain of limestone was a perfect image for uh the mountain which is uh signified by obstacles right there's like um it made sense so as i walked around my uh, father's hometown and went to his grave and and my mother's grave at that point as well um and uh and really thought through things i realized that the narrative that could link the images in the norman deck could be sort of my narrative of um the uh the 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 son returning to the ancestral homeland to bury his mother uh with his father and their rings and um and in doing this he notices that the world um is has turned into a Lenormand deck so the images in the deck are things that he sees in this small rural environment around him that are signifiers of things that could occur in the future and um and again that's not i mean i you know i like i I ended up, I did bury my mother with my father in her rings. Like we, we all, my whole family did, but like we had that experience. So there was, there was a lot of like personal, you know, like the house is like the family farm. Like that is legitimately the family farm or like the, the tower is the, uh, is, is North Judson's water tower. Like I, I, I I took a lot of effort to turn it into a, a legitimate story. And, um, and honestly, uh, One of the things that was very very, very personal to me was that, um, you know, when your parents die, if you want to, you can choose to see the last greatest gift they will ever teach you. And I saw those, I saw that. <laughs> and I saw that when I was building this deck, and when I was generating these images, I saw it. And um, and that, to me, was what made this thing so much of a "ah, uh, I'm so glad, right? so <laughs> So I built the deck. Um, we tried to kickstart it, uh, and the first Kickstarter failed because we just bit off to more than, more than we should, we, we could chew in the first one. We, we tried to, we tried to have a, a more complicated, um, packaging and it required more output and whatever, whatever. So the, the business end of it, um, the Kickstarter part of it didn't work the first time. And then, um, this last year I had a tarot reading with a friend, which I don't do a lot of, I like, I have, I think it was my first tarot reading I'd had in, I don't even know how long. And, um, and by the end of the tarot reading, it was like, you need to go get the, you need to go get turned earth up and running. So I went home and like finished the deck and finished the design for the box and like found a printer in the US and then like got my Kickstarter ready and then like pre, like put people in the Kickstarter so that they're ready to go and then like generated the kickstarter essentially as like a point of sale and like got everything all lined up and two weeks later it launched and then the next day or the day it launched it funded by the end of the night and then like at the end of 19 days was like i don't know th- like 278 percent funded and like almost sold out so um like <laughs> it it was a good it was a good experience in that it allowed me to tell a story and allowed me to tell a story to people who I think appreciate what's happening inside of it right um So who's
0: who's been like how are people using it as as you've seen like people who've picked up on it like how are how are people utilizing the the, the deck that you uh, that you created
1: Well you know <laughs> It, it, it honestly depends on who we're talking about like you know the, 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 they're and they're everywhere like there's like a bunch of them in australia and there's some in germany and portugal and netherlands and france and um oh, uh, other places uh they're all over japan um the u.s canada mexico yay um the people that have come back to me and have told me about how they're working um I'll have like <laughs> one of the things I've said about it because I, I I had one that I had made that was a prototype and as I was using my prototype I as it turns out I got hooked I'm like I'm like a, I'm a very I'm a fan of Lenormand and I I do I use my deck right like a, I use my deck in a way of um. Um, so Lenormand, gosh, sorry. So Lenormand is um, best used for small open-ended questions, right? Like if you're drawing tarot, you they're generally larger experiences and like uh, more stuff. Um, Lenormand is like, my favorite Lenormand question is, how might I navigate my day? So in the morning I wake up and I say, how might I navigate my day? And I draw and I, and I, and I, 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 I shuffle my cards. And I say this this thing to myself um, and, um, uh, and then I uh, draw three cards. I often give myself a fourth card for clarification if I need to, but I settle that in my head before I do it. And then I draw those three cards and then you read those cards like a sentence, noun, adjective, adjective, right? So like, let's say you've got like the heart and the whip and the clouds. The heart would be the noun, which would be, um like love romantic love uh the whip would be the adjective which would be like repetition could be body harm could be kinky sex here and clouds i just drew these cards as as we're talking (laughs) clouds uh would be uh confusion right so you could say confusing confusion confusing repetitive romance
0: Ah. What
1: what is confusing repetitive romance maybe this is a um Uh, I don't know what they, I I mean, we could go all sorts of ways with it, but my point being, um, that's how I was taught to read them. Now, some people, uh, draw, do different draws, like five card draws are not uncommon. Seven card draws, you can lay them all out in a, a grand tableau that will allow you to look at like different facets of your life and how things are moving and working. Um, the most noticeable thing that's happening is I've had a number of people who were not Lenormand people when they purchased the deck or when they supported the Kickstarter who now are the Norman people who want my read on their draw.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's, it's for now it's fun, <laughs> but at some point, at some point, like it's, you know, I have elected to approach Lenormand Normand with the knowledge I was given by someone I trust and the knowledge I reinforced myself with to build the deck. Um, And with that knowledge, I have crafted it in a way that it makes sense for me that I'm certain there are like hardcore Lenormand users that will be like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. Um, But, um, but I've kind of crafted it into my own, uh, my own value right like uh, certain cards take on meanings outside of meanings like whenever uh bear shows up i know that that might be referring to this person in my life that uh sometimes bear prompts me to contact right um it's 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 which is not necessarily something that anyone else that uses a deck would uh would um encounter although i think some people do
0: so this seems (sighs) like it seems uh, interesting that you completed the Lenormand deck that, you know, had been in process for a while, like, right around the same time that you did this great big 10-year um, retrospective yeah. uh, gallery show. So, do you, I mean, is what's your insight on that? Like, what's your read on all of these sort of, like, you know, reflective moments coming sort of around the same time?
1: Well, I mean, you know, one of the things that happens on the full time is, like, you try and plant as many things as you can plant as early as you can plant them so uh the gallery at Dittmar was something that i had known about um since before the summer even uh the year before and had some time to focus on really um uh generating that show um that was the largest the largest solo exhibit i've ever had it had every one of it had it had forty three paintings and a dozen sculptures, and it was linked by uh, two narratives. There was one on one wall, and then one that linked into the narrative uh, into the second wall. And then there was like a, a portion that was like world building elements, and then there was a portion that was like deep lore. And if you uh, traveled around the gallery in my intended path um it would tell you a story in interacting with it as you move from painting to sculpture to painting to whatever to whatever um and uh i had the pleasure of giving a number of personal sort of like tours of this gal uh gallery when it was occurring um that um <laughs> like really did a thing on me <laughs> um I mean to to, to sort of like generally answer your question like um the experience of doing both of these things at the same time felt just like a thing that made sense because you know like again as a visual artist that has um spent some time learning a number of different pathways to creating things like it just makes sense that I'd be doing this and also this um the Lenormand deck quite honestly had very little to be clean I mean there was some stuff I did clean up the cards and um had to generate the white book so there was stuff to do it wasn't like a a a a quick thing but i think i was in an energy at the time um like i came out of came out of the summer i had some i don't know i don't want to say depression necessarily but some anxiety that was stuff i was dealing with um that i pushed my way through in a real um solid way um that i think kind of allowed all of this to at the same time and in a way that was like, fortunately for me, very meaningful. But, um, the, uh, the Lenormand deck, uh, the, the, <laughs> the Dittmar gallery, um, was sort of like several months worth of kind of planning and figuring and, uh, you know, working. And then like, an, like at towards the end, like a solid month of like here, the paintings are coming fast and furious and it's like 14 things come out in the last month and then here's how they go on the wall and normally when i paint um i'll take a painting i'll hang it in my space and i'll live with it for a while and in living with it i'll walk away with a better understanding like i have a conversation with it right like um, the giant octopus painting in my house is teaching me about the neutrality of events like Everything is neutral until I choose, or you choose, or we choose to apply a positive or negative to it. It doesn't need to be a thing, except for something occurring in this world. Like, I have time to live with that, I process that, I walk away feeling better about navigating my environment, and all is good. Now, the Dittmar Gallery had like, again, 14 paintings in the last 30 days. There wasn't a lot of time living with it, so, putting the gallery up in the story and then being allowed to um like not allowed to but then needing to walk through the gallery and sort of tell the story as i'm moving was this like lewis brain generator (laughs) it's like every time i walked around and talked about it like a crank turned in my head and i was like whoa um (laughs) uh it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot. There's a, there's a, there's a. By the end of it, I think I walked away with this, um, and I'm still circling around it. So, f- pardon me if I'm not articulating it well. But, but you know, the way we, the way we, the way we perceive things is so very um, debatable, right? Like, um, I, there's like a, there's like a painting of a bowl of beautiful red strawberries and um when you uh it looks like beautiful red strawberries with a green screen over it like a green filter and when you zoom in on the picture of the or of the strawberries pardon me artist for not remembering your name when you zoom in on it you realize that there is no color in the painting it's all gray every pixel is gray and the reason that works, they believe, is because your brain is accounting for the color it believes to be environmental and is adjusting what it's seeing. And in what it's seeing is beautiful, lush red strawberries. So, whatever that looks like to you under a green environment is what your brain is filling in. This is happening without us knowing about it all the time. Like that dress on the internet. The blue, black, gold, white thing that was happening because at the top of that picture was a, was an environmental color that some brains picked up on and said it's a blue black dress. And at the bottom of the fr- of the picture is another environmental color that other brains picked up on and said it's a white gold dress. The point is, is our, we're doing this all the time and we don't know it, <laughs> right? <clears throat> so what does that mean for things that we think we know that we know like i have an understanding of allison that i have put together over a long period of time of knowing allison and based off of what you have elected to uh, reveal to me about who you are and in that way i've generated an identity that is you but is it any (laughs) is is the allison in my mind any more allison than the red strawberries that are actually gray does this make sense
0: well, so bring it bring it back to me to to the to what you were bringing forward from from seeing all of your work gathered in this way. So is is that just like is the the filter over the strawberries? Is this are you the gray pixels, or are you the person looking down at it and and creating uh, your expectations for what's in there?
1: I mean, the, the the baseline core of the story, right, is that the typeface designer has quote using air quotes here with my fingers that you no one can see has the knowledge of everything i always interpret the knowledge of everything to be omniscience which leads to questions of what exactly does that mean now when when he when he communicates with me he communicates with me because at some point i gave him a an image in a window that opened his brain to this knowledge of everything His sort of ultimate goal with me is to give me an image that will open my mind to the knowledge of everything. I've painted over 200 paintings because of this communication with this guy, and I am no closer to the knowledge of everything, I don't think, than I've ever, like, I don't even know what that looks like. Like, what does that mean? And honestly, if he has a knowledge of everything, he knows the image, potentially, that he could give me that would give me the knowledge of everything, so why have I been painting for 200 paintings, whatever. All these things. Now, the grander point being in the in the gallery, he takes a journey where he is is what he tells me he is reevaluating an image that he has generated, a font he has generated that is meant to inspire the same energy that the image I gave to him inspired in him. So in the beginning of the gallery, he shows me a letter and he says, this is it. And then he goes on a trip and he goes to this fire and he fills up a battery with this fire. And then he takes the fire to this like across the world. And he goes to a place that I recognized from eight years ago that I didn't realize I was looking at years ago. And so like all of a sudden, like time has got this whole thing now where I'm not sure if what I'm looking at is um, really even in any sense of. Um, actual time order, so now that's been thrown into a loop, and then um, he travels across the city, um, and he uh, gathers this fire, and he um, lays the battery in this water, and he ignites it, and it turns into a city, and all of a sudden there's this big floating city in the water, and <laughs> and there's an octopus in front of it, and um, and that painting in this flow essentially throws me into um like all of the things i thought i knew are now all up in question they're all maybe right (laughs) if what i'm seeing right now is what i think i'm seeing as a result of this story then everything i have figured for the last 10 years can also be up for question and that leads me again to say when i have a perception of a thing that i feel solid firmly about There is a very strong chance that if I just step away from that and look at it again, my perception can shift radically because, again, I'm not actually looking at red strawberries. Like, my brain is processing red strawberries. So when uh so he he does this thing he creates this city that may or may not have been there forever and then he goes back to the letter that he started with and he maybe adjusts it or maybe doesn't and then says it's perfect so again i'm forced to deal with this idea of what am i seeing and what does the value i'm applying to the thing i'm seeing how is how important is that thing when my judgment my perception of that thing could so very well be off and then there's a secondary story about this cat taking this trip that again affects the whole thing in its own different way and then and then there's a reminder of the fact that there are things I've seen in time like um the story as it's been given to me has been given to me from 2009 there's there are several paintings in the exhibit from 2009 and there are many paintings from 2019 and there are paintings throughout throughout 10 years inside of the gallery that all interlock in the story as though They were being told to me in a time order, but they weren't. So um, is he telling me a story as it's occurring, which is what I always thought? Am I learning a story that he's already told and he's just giving it to me very slowly? There's it causes me to re-explore the things I thought I knew um, about the story I've been telling for ten years. And in the end, it 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 also, it, it caused me to pause and in that pause um, is when I produced the Lenormand deck.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: So, um... And that's where it is right now. Like the gallery is still like right now. When I look at like all of my like i i have um I have it all like uh fine photographed for like like high res and you know I've got I've got everything in a way that uh the idea will be to uh, generate an online uh, gallery that you can kind of like um, go through the experience with the paintings and also with um my uh, written words that go with the paintings. But I might also might also generate a video where i kind of talk through the gallery that might show up on youtube at some point so there's there's um there's there are there are things i still need to do with it it's like a glowing ingot of um very forgeable material right now that i'm it might be too hot still (laughs) Mm, mm. (laughs) um so i'm not i've been kind of not touching it right now but that was kind of the thing that i think producing the Lenormand deck really also hammered home was the idea of um, things take the time that they take and um, it doesn't all have to happen now (laughs) I guess
0: amazing well so yeah in in the in the realm of things that are not happening now but maybe happening in the future is there anything on the horizon that you have coming up that you'd like to to chat about and let the people know uh that you've got coming
1: you know the biggest thing um the biggest thing i can plug into anything right now is i'm i'm working again i'm working on a second lenormand deck um, producing the first one in a, in, in, a, in an amount of 100 was actually a really, um, a really good lesson for, number one, how to do this thing, and number two, how to work Kickstarter. Um, now, I'm not going to claim to be a, like Kickstarter expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I have a much stronger understanding of it, and I think that um, I might uh, try another Lenormand deck with the long goal point goalpost of producing um, a tarot, but we'll see. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna put my foot back in the water with a second Lenormand deck. Hopefully, coming up and see if it gets a favorable response. <laughs> and if it does, then um, I'm gonna start angling into tarot, um, which to me is really, honestly, really great because, like, um, part of the winter here in in Chicago is that it's so cold no one is going out i mean you know people places that i normally hang artwork aren't looking for artwork right now like everyone's just waiting for the thaw so there's a little bit of like i'm not sure where my next exhibit is yet at this point oh that's not true that's not true i'm going to be in the uh crown point high school alumni show
0: Oh, amazing! <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a painting in the Crown Point High School Alumni Show, which is coming up in—I think it's February third at the Crown Point Library. I don't know, but it's—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's so much fun for me because first of all it's a canvas that is from uh they they didn't want like they didn't want three dimensional stuff they wanted to keep things like you know not damageable i'm assuming so i decided i was going to paint a canvas and like this is the first canvas i've painted since like i was very young and had like a bill alexander magic paint kit like oil canvas kit like i I don't use canvas it's just not a thing for me um but uh I, i decided i was gonna use canvas and i found this old painting someone had someone had painted a family portrait in 1970 of the Bailey family. And then someone in like 20 something, um, painted over that. And then that thing fell off and underneath it was just like a, a black undercoating, like a black primer. So then I used that to paint the painting I submitted for my, uh, for the alumni show. I started it in 2019, like on new year's Eve, I finished it in 2020. Um, all of the black in the painting is uh, black 2.0 which is um, a color that uh, is the mattest, flattest black that an artist can use as long as you're not a Nish Kapoor <laughs> um, but apparently black 3.0 came out so whatever I guess it's not that anymore but the point is is I oh. use that for all of the blacks which does this really kind of uh, fascinating thing in light so neat so anyway um uh uh that's going to be in the crown point <laughs> crown point high school alumni i'm not sure what the exact terrible plug lewis
0: <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get the name right and we will if there's if there's links to it somewhere we will uh, put that in the show notes for uh, for people to explore <laughs> In so yeah. Case. so where where else can people find you online and or on social media if, uh, if folks are am looking in, to learn more about you
1: I am in most social media platforms uh I'm on Facebook at uh Lewis Lane Facebook.com Lewis Lane L-E-W-I-S-L-A-I-N um I am on Instagram at Lewis Lane I am on Twitter at Lewis Lane I am on Patreon at Lewis Lane I am on YouTube at like user Lewis Lane um because you know that's how they do things like there but generally if you search LEWISLAIN in your preferred platform there's a good chance I am there um deviant art not so much i am beginning to wonder if i should have done more with deviant art but i just just was never my never my easy usage platform so not much there but everywhere else there's uh, bits of me um, making music or Uh, painting artwork or um, showing you pictures of my beautiful cats, because I have beautiful cats that I am not shy about sharing on my social media.
0: Lewis's cats are very, very beautiful. This is true.
1: They're adorable,
0: and they're so big. Well, Lewis, thank you so, so much for this amazing glimpse into your process and what you've been working on. This has been, like, really super inspiring. Like, I last week's chat with Kate Marina, we were just talking about, like, getting people into the brain frame for 2020, uh, for this year and for this decade. And so I thank you for sort of uh, unofficially continuing that conversation that I had started last week as far as just like really thinking about ways to incorporate art into our daily lives and like you kept saying, it, really having fun with it and I think that that's really a benchmark of something you're really remarkably good at and clearly um, is foregrounded in your practice and so hopefully um, people will find that, that fruitful for their lives as they're thinking about uh, their own creative practices. That's fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much.
1: My pleasure, Allison.
0: What a fantastic chat. I have a copy of the Turned Earth Little Lenormand deck, and I'm still teaching myself how to read in that style. Um, I'm not very good (laughs) at either tarot or Lenormand decks, but I love them and they're beautiful and I have a million of them. Um, But like I said, uh, Lewis's deck, it really conveys the look and feel of the small town Midwest um, in in a way that's really moving to me beyond even its divinatory capacities. It's really just a beautiful object to look at. Uh, So if you'd like to see some of the art from that deck, check out Turned Earth Lynn Normand on Instagram. That's all one word, and I'll have that linked in the show notes. Uh, And you can also message Lewis there if you'd like to pick one up, uh, one of the remaining decks from this first run. You can see more of Lewis's art online at lewislane.com, where you can browse galleries of his current and former paintings, the props and objects he's created exclusively with cardboard, and his illustration and design work as well. Uh, You can support him on Patreon at slash Lewis Lane or follow him on Instagram at slash Lewis Lane as well. As for me, I am always findable online at queenofpeaches.com, where you can read some of my blog posts and or find uh, links out to the many social media places that I exist online. And, of course, subscribe uh, wherever you like to listen to podcasts to I'll Follow You. We really appreciate uh, everyone who stops by and supports us and has been listening to these episodes as they come out. Uh, so I'm Allison Felix. This has been I'll Follow You. Bye for now.